afternoon. How are you? Good, and I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well, and you've had an even busier day today. I know. I saw you guys were doing the faculty uh, convocation this morning. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We were doing that. And um, yes, it's been a busy day, but at least I am on top of my game mentally. So Friday was a really rough day for me. So, um, but we're good. We're good. Well, I'm glad yeah. you're doing better now. Flexibility. That, that's been the name of the game for us for over two years between the tornado and this. Yeah. Uh, learning how to pivot, be adaptable and be flexible. And so that's what we do. I love it. So I know some of the topics we kind of want to cover today might be a little, little behind and that's okay. Um, okay. I can give you an update if you want. Yeah, that's no problem. But let's just start off just, you know, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little about your background, but also like, what's the provost, like, what's a day in your life really look like? It sounds very busy. <laughs> it really is. So, um, I have, my name is Christy Shelton and I am currently the provost and senior vice president for academic affairs. And that position is quite vast. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But in terms of history, uh, I've been at JSU for 20 years. And 20 years ago, this July, actually, I started as the lab coordinator for um, the nursing program. And so my responsibility was to set up all the labs for the students so that they could be um, skilled and trained in appropriate um, checkoff for appropriate checkoffs. So that's what I did at that time. And then I just kind of, you know, went to school, went back to school, went back to school again. Um, I worked in the Aniston community for a while as the director of the PCB um, Aniston Community Health Survey and that particular grant that looked at health effects on uh, the polychlorinated biphenyls and the health effects associated with that contamination. So it was a very, very interesting journey there. Yeah. Um, so that is uh, a little bit about me. I was the nursing dean for a while and then became the dean of the School of Health Professions and Wellness as we went through a restructuring. And so that is that is a little bit about uh, where I've been and where I am now. And as far as this role, um, this particular position is responsible for anything academics. So you name it, um, it is related to, to the provost position. So you have um, all of the different offices, all of the different schools, anything related to academics fall under this particular office. So it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, a lot of like work. It. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you it's the hardest job I've ever had in my life. Um, and I've, I feel like I've had some hard jobs, you know, um, but it's, it is the hardest uh, and maybe that's because I'm only a year in and I always tell people to give a new job three years. So I need to probably listen to my own advice. <laughs> Isn't that the hardest thing to do, you know, <laughs> follow your own advice? <laughs> so hard. Uh, but that's a little bit about me. I am extremely loyal to JSU. My son and daughter both graduated from here. I graduated from here twice. Um, love this institution and what it does to change people's lives. And, you know, I tell students when I talk to them that, um, of course, I came from a very difficult home situation years ago, and never would I have thought I would have had a doctoral degree in my life. I was a first-generation high school graduate as well as first-generation college student. And so when I talk to students, I really try to encourage them and tell them that JSU can truly take you to dreams you never knew existed in your life. And so that's, that's really what I feel like JSU does. It grabs the hand of the uh, first time 
gen student or the student who struggled a bit in high school and JSU says come on you can do this and you can do great things and so I really think that is why I'm so loyal and dedicated to JSU because I just see the change it brings to communities to individuals to families it's huge that means so much to me so I my my mother was able to get her she became an RN she got her associates a long 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 time ago so I was the first one in my immediate family that was able to get their bachelor's and to go to a four-year institution. And I love JSU. I feel the exact same way. I'm so happy that my brother gets to start this semester at JSU. So I'm like, you have to go to freshman convocation tonight. I'm like, and you got to go and meet all these people, you know, the Dylan Field and there's the preview day with all the clubs and organizations. So you just got to do everything. (laughs) So jealous because it's, my dream to also go back for a second time and get my master's in visual communication, I should hope, at oh, MFA yeah. program. Yeah, yeah. But that's very exciting. Well, and you also helped to found the nurse practitioner program. Is that correct? Yes. yes I, um, so I helped start two new programs when I was dean, and one was the doctor of nursing practice that has three pathways um, to complete your doctoral degree. And then the other was the master in athletic training, which actually starts right now. Oh, and then respiratory therapy. Uh, I helped start that one too. So um, really excited about the new programs. I feel like providing this area, this region, um, degrees that provide job opportunities close to home. I, I feel like that's what we miss sometimes because um, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a nurse, honest, I'm not. Um, but healthcare jobs in this region are plentiful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we can provide the pathways to those careers, then it will allow people to stay home or stay in the region in the area that they love. Now, not everybody wants to do that. You know, a lot of people want to get a job and move, you know, to New York or to California. And that's great and wonderful too. But, we um, can always expand upon the jobs that are most common in our region and the healthcare profession jobs uh, are very common. And so we're just trying to meet that need a little bit better than what we were. And that's why we're so glad as a chamber to partner with JSU because it's, as much as we can help our economy and our business community, yes. you know, we really do work together a lot. <laughs> yes. You know, since the economy has taken such a hit over the last few months, anytime I go shopping now, my husband calls me and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm helping stimulate the economy. <laughs> <laughs> this is my responsibility. Is <laughs> I, I did the same thing when we, uh, we were quarantined for about two months here at the chamber. We would work from home. And I would go on and I'd be like, okay, let's go to Swank. Let's go to their website. I'm going to go, I'm going to buy some clothes. And my husband's like, but we're not really going anywhere. Like, what are you going to do with these clothes? I'm like, it doesn't matter. I just got to keep these businesses open. You like the economy. (laughs) (laughs) We do what we have to, right? (laughs) We do. We do. Yes. Our small business community is a soft spot. My soft spot in my heart as well. Just, I, so I, I'm not really from Calhoun County, just some quick background on me. You know, I, I graduated from Piedmont in 2010 and I didn't apply anywhere else except the JSU. It was just like, it was close enough to home, but it was far enough away that I could, you know, I could grow and learn on my own without, mm-hmm. you know, like a, my mom was a helicopter, right? But it ended up being like one of the best decisions I ever made. And unfortunately, you know, I had a graphic design degree, so huh? i in my mind, I had automatically assumed like I've got to go somewhere else to start my career. I don't, you know, I didn't feel like I could even try in Calhoun County. And I hate that I felt that way. 
but I left for a couple years in Mississippi and I finally had to come home in 2017 and I've been here ever since. So I totally agree with you trying to supply those jobs here in Calhoun mm-hmm. County or at least our general area, you know, and I try to encourage everybody in JSU that I know that goes through. It's like, just look around. You've got a network. You've got, you yes. can build these things that you want, you know? Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of people that are entrepreneurs and it's just like, I know it's really hard, but it's worth it. (laughs) It is worth it. It is worth it. It opens so many doors. Mm -hmm. It really does. But um, let's talk a little bit more about this semester. So I know we just got it kicked off today. Um, Do you know kind of what our our numbers are looking like? So we are trending slightly ahead of where we were last year. And last year, you know, we had the largest um, fall entering class of freshmen that we've ever had. So we are trending a little bit ahead. Now we usually don't get too excited about numbers until census date, which is a few weeks away, because that gives students a time to register late, be admitted, or will be admitted late, then register, whatever they need to do. Right. Uh, and it also, and this is the unfortunate side of it, at least for us, but not for the students, it also gives those students who have had second thoughts or who may have been faced with um, unexpected circumstances at the last minute, a chance to reevaluate. And so, you know, all of those numbers are in the mix to start with. Those that um, are registering late, those that did register early, but now have decided not to come. So, you know, we are trending slightly ahead, but we will be uh, much more excited and confident when we know our final numbers. I know. And it's, it's so unfortunate with, you know, COVID-19, and we don't have to focus on that a lot because I know it's, we hear it day in and day out, and I don't want to, I just want to touch on it just a little bit as far as, you know, like trying to keep our students and our staff and our faculty safe. I know that's of the utmost importance for you guys. So as a nurse, of course, I really have felt a tremendous burden towards health and safety. Um, and it has truly caused me to have um what we use this terminology when we're talking to each other about how comfortable we feel about a situation. So we say, well, it's a little bit of heartburn or it's a lot of heartburn. Oh. <laughs> so 19 caused me to have lots of heartburn about uh, protecting faculty, staff, and students and just making sure that we were doing the right things. And I want to just capture a few things for you that we've done that um, Dr. Killingsworth spoke about this morning. We've also educated our campus community uh, regarding this and our students as well. But I think one of the most significant accomplishments we've had is um, in the classrooms. And all summer long, the dean's department heads and some of the faculty worked on adjusting the classroom for social distancing and evaluating how many students could safely be in the room um, did we need plexiglass, you know, at the front of the room? Um, where were we going to put our cleaning supplies? How did we want to operationalize all of that? You know, what do we want that to look like? And so in some instances, um, there may be a class that on average over the years maybe only had 25 students on average. And we know that's about what our estimated enrollment number would be. We may have moved that class and did move some of these classes to large lecture halls so that they could socially distance without impacting the enrollment. Um, in other instances, we have um, we have minimized the number in the room to be only what is comfortable from a social distance standpoint. And we may call the group that comes on Monday cohort A 
and the group that can come on Wednesday, cohort B, and then Friday, cohort C, so that we split it up so that um, we are recording our lectures, allowing students to listen, and then come in and, and do group projects or small group activities or classroom discussion, whatever, whatever it is that may be suitable for that particular course and or content area. Um, we also have in the classroom um, the touchless uh, hand sanitizer stations, and we also have the um, sanitizing wipe station where they just pull out the wipes so that they can clean to their comfort level. We also have a backup plan, so that's plan A. <laughs> plan B, we have a table, um, and we have cloth uh, cleaning cloths on the table. We have spray disinfectant and spray hand sanitizer so that we have everything covered um, in the event something is unexpected and we run out of something or whatever the case may be, let's just say it quits working. You know, weird yeah. things happen. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have plan A and plan B, and then we have um, we have informational sheets posted in the classroom letting faculty know who to call or how to reach out for additional cleaning supplies and things like that. So we've worked really, really hard on that in our classroom. In terms of the entire campus community. Um, we have we have acquired, we being JSU, have acquired a point of care testing at the Student Health Center um, that allows us to have rapid results for COVID-19 in 15 minutes. Now this test is specific for those people who are symptomatic and it's for any faculty, staff, or student who is full or part-time, including dual enrollment students, as long as they have the a current JSU ID. So we're really, really excited about that. That allows us to quickly make decisions about whether or not someone needs isolated or quarantined, um, isolated in the case of a positive test. And then if, if we uh, come across people that have been exposed, of course, we place them in quarantine. And when I say we, it's not me. Um, we have a COVID-19 task force led by uh, internationally renowned Dr. Jeff Ryan, who is known for his expertise on pandemic planning. He also has worked, I believe, with the Chamber on pandemic-ready uh, businesses. Mm -hmm. And so he has helped guide the efforts all summer long since late February, early March, um, for preparing our campus uh, for the return during the summer of our staff and then the return this fall of our faculty and students. So we have been um, complying and adhering to all of the guidelines set forth by his team. We also had a fall 2020 academic affairs task force that planned for the reopening of academic affairs, such as the instructional delivery. Um, and so we've been working on that. And I don't know if anyone has directed you, but we have an entire comprehensive reopening plan on our website. And it's very detailed. Each school has a, a section listed as to what their plan is for reopening. Um, it includes the different uh, areas such as athletics, housing, student success, student affairs, um, also includes each school, the marching southerners, general information on testing. As I mentioned, we have point of care testing. We also have mandatory re-entry testing. Mm -hmm. We partnered with the University of Alabama at Birmingham, as did um, most all higher education institutions in the state to require re-entry testing. And of course, it's a snapshot in time. We always get the question, well, so what if I test negative today? That is true. Right. But the advantage to knowing before, especially before you move into a residence hall, is that we can remove that exposure, you know, until you 
finish your isolation period um, so that you can return to campus. So any anything we can do to minimize exposure, minimize risk, that is what we are attempting to do. And you've had the mask mandate in place on campus for several months now. Yes, we have. Yes. yes. Has, has the faculty been dealing well with that? I know with the students. So tomorrow will be the first day of class. Um, and I will tell you, the reason I look a little hairy today is I went to work out over my lunch break with my mask on. And I walked to the facility uh, in which I worked out and walked back. And the reason I'm using that example is because as I was walking back, even though I was outside, most everyone had their mask on. Now, there were a few that did not have masks on, but they were distant and alone and walking by themselves. Um, and so I really feel like um, students and faculty and staff are doing what we've asked them to do and what we've explained is so important to do. Um, something really fun that occurred to help promote buy-in because we decided that it's not, it's not really the best way to go about things by just using what I call the point your finger approach and say, you have to do this. Um, I don't like that approach. I prefer uh, educating and encouraging and promoting buy-in. Um, and so one of the things that we did this summer is uh, the dean from the School of Science, along with one of our student leaders, made a video uh, really talking about the importance of wearing masks and why we should wear them and asking everyone to join us in the effort to keep each other safe. Um, so that is a video that all students have access to that's been shared on our social media. And many of the faculty may even use it as a method of attendance verification in our class classes. So um, we're really excited about that and just taking that approach with our students to explain to them. Our goal for doing this is to be able to stay open, mm -hmm. to be able to keep classes in person as much as possible, and to continue to keep everyone safe. So we need your help. In that and so that's the approach we've taken. I've heard uh, that the university was considering not coming back post Thanksgiving. Is that the plan or is there, a, is there a schedule set in place? I'm sure. So the academic calendar was voted on and changed, approved by the Board of Trustees to convert to online after the Thanksgiving break. Okay. One of the reasons for that is because there usually is extensive travel over Thanksgiving break not just by our students, but by our faculty and staff. And, you know, once the students have been here and we've all become our own family unit in a sense, you know, we, especially if the students stay here on the weekend, which is what we're encouraging them to do. And if we all take the appropriate precautions when home on weekend, then we've minimized a lot of our risk. But when we all, you know, jump on a plane or jump in the cars and we travel and we go to places where we haven't been around people we haven't been around, there is of course a risk for um, increased exposure. And so we are converting everything to online after the Thanksgiving break, and we will have finals online for the most part. Now there may be some situations where um, we arrange for socially distanced computer labs to be monitored for those students who have Wi-Fi difficulties or techn technological difficulties with their devices. Um, and we also may have discipline-specific needs for coming back after the break. So for instance, nursing um, may require a comprehensive head-to-toe checkoff of all the body systems. Well, that 
it's difficult to do online. So there may be situations where we have very small groups coming back under strict measures. Um, you know, I don't know that they would be any stricter than we're already doing because we do a lot, but we may have those unusual situations after the break, but our goal is to have everything um, online afterwards that can be online. I know, I think, uh, has a, have a lot of the courses, have they moved online or have some that have never been online before now being offered online or? So the trick there is um, our response to the Families First Coronavirus Act. That's not the official name, but it's FFCRA. Um, and what we did in terms of uh, complying with that act is we allowed our faculty to apply for a request, uh, a request to have online accommodations if they were at high risk or if they were in close contact with someone high risk. And so the faculty went through that process and it went through our Department of Human Resources. And so if they were approved to teach online, then their classes were converted online. Now, that may mean that classes that were offered in person for 15 plus years are now being offered online because of that reason. What we also um, received approval to do is when that happens and when we have courses that were traditionally offered in person convert online due to faculty accommodations, we're not charging our students the online differential. Um, a lot of institutions have online differentials to cover all of the uh, needs associated with that, the training needs, the technology needs that's associated with just online delivery. So we were able to adjust that because it's not fair to the student. You know, it's a class that always been taught uh, in person for them to pay a difference in tuition because we had to make that conversion. So we did put that practice into place. Otherwise, students who take courses that were, you know, traditionally offered online um, are paying the online tuition differential um, that's been in place for a long time. Right. So that was how we managed that. But in terms of other classes, um, most classes, if they're not online through that approval process, are being offered in a hybrid format, especially if the um, enrollment warranted that. So if we had more than... Uh, enough students for a socially distanced classroom, then we may be doing that rotation I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So it may be that what you do on Monday would be online, but what you do on Wednesday is in class. Gotcha. I know. I It's complicated. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. If, say you're taking a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. And just like you said, yeah. there's too many students to be in there safely. It's just like, well, maybe we'll come in this day. You guys come in this day and mm -hmm. then three people come in on Friday. Yes. <laughs> Whatever it looks like. Yeah. This is new territory for all of us. So we're taking it one day at a time, one step at a time. So what about things like biology lab? How are you guys kind of trying to convert experiments really? So believe it or not, there have been biology labs online for some time. Um, we are partnering with a group called Labster, our company called Labster this time. And we have great feedback from those online labs uh, actually. So the students are shipped what they need. They're taught how to do what they need. They do it. Uh, I'm not sure of the details. I've never taken a lab online, but the students that I hear who do um, enjoy it and participate in all the experiments that the others in person participate in as well. So seems to work. 
I hope they're not dissecting anything. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I think they are. Oh my goodness. Well, more power to them. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um, do we want to talk a little about athletics? Maybe what our schedule is kind of looking like at this moment? Well, I, and I, you know, I try to keep in touch with our athletic director on a fairly regular basis. And of course, you probably saw the announcement that came out. I believe it was over the weekend. I don't know if you saw it or not, but um, basically all sports were postponed until spring. Um, and they are allowing football teams to play up to four games against out-of-conference opponents. So the seven-game conference schedule will actually be in the spring this time. Um, and we still have contracts to play. I believe it's um, North Alabama and Florida International this fall. And according to um, Mr. Seitz, the UNA game will be played on a date in October, but we don't know a specific um, date at this point. But it is being moved from the original September the 12th date. Um, and he really hopes we will have some clarity on our football schedule by the end of this week. So hopefully – um, that will work out. Our preference is to have at least one home game. If we can have two, that would be great. But, and, of course, if we do, um, and I asked this question of him a couple weeks ago, if we do have a game, depending on what the state orders or guidelines are at the time, we would abide by that. And um, when he checked last, I believe it would be 50% capacity. Um, so that would be the um, – and that would be home and away, too, right? Yes. Yeah. So that would be where we are at this point. I know it might not be ideal, but football in the spring sounds very interesting. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> really does. I don't know. We'll see. And, of course, uh, spring in the south, and, um, you know, you never know if it's going to be a tornado or a blizzard. So <laughs> <laughs> very interesting. We'll see how it goes, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. So has move-in already been completed? I should hope. It has. It, it occurred Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We staggered it to allow for social distancing. We did not allow any volunteers to assist with move-in. Um, you may be familiar with our effort. Um, each move-in day, we have um, volunteers from all over the place. Many churches, many of our faculty and staff volunteer to come and help the students move in. And so literally, and I've helped with it several times, literally a car pulls up and we swarm the car, we help unload, we move everything to the room, and the, the student has everything in their room within just a matter of minutes. And the parents are just so impressed because you can tell they were thinking, Oh my goodness, I thought I was going to have to go up the right. stairs, up the elevator or whatever. Yes, yep. So we have done that for several years. We provide t-shirts for all of our volunteers, but we did not do that this year, and I really missed getting to do that. But our president um, was there, our vice president of student affairs was there, and um, Dr. Killingsworth spoke this morning about how the parents would hug their students and then cry a little bit and then hug them again. You know, um, it's just an unusual time. And, and sometimes our emotions aren't sure uh, what they need to do. Right. You know, given, given where we are in the midst of this pandemic. So, um, um, but yes, move-in has occurred successfully to my knowledge. Um, and that occurred over three days to help with the social distancing. Oh, good deal. I'm happy to hear it. It's, it is. It is. It is. I can't even put it into words. It is strange. So I, 
I get to see my, my mom and my brother. We don't live in the same household, so we social distance, we wear masks, and my husband is immunocompromised, so I have to be very careful. You know, I'm, I'm looking at 95 just in case in my office. If we have yes. too many people here and I'm uncomfortable, but it's very nice to hear that JSU is doing everything in their power to try to keep everybody safe. I know I'll never forget March 12th when I was there. I was at Viv Graves for the press conference and uh, hearing Don Killingsworth, our president, and, you know, Dr. Ryan talk about there might be our first confirmed case. And it was, I was in this room and nobody, you know, this is before everybody was wearing masks and I was looking at everybody and they're talking about staying six feet away. And I'm like, I've got to go. I, I got, I have to leave. And so I came to work the next day. I was here for probably an hour because we had a big meeting and I was like, I can't do this. And that's when my quarantine started. Yes. You know, it, it really has been just such an unusual time. And uh, my grandson started back to school last week and uh, one is 11 and one is eight. And the eight-year-old told me, he said, um, it was really weird today. And I said, I know it's been really weird at Meme's work too. And he said, but we were given a mask break. So they were allowed to go outside, stand like 12, 15 feet apart and take their mask off for a little bit, you know, but it's just such an oddity, you know, it's just so unusual. And of course, we're not the first generation to, um, have to manage life during a pandemic, and I'm sure we won't be the last, but it is the first for all of us, you know, many of us, most of us. So it's an interesting time. Oh, that's so sad to hear, but it's also, it is, it is it's trying to connect with each other when yeah. we're so used to hugging, handshaking, yes. and, you know, these are all these things that we can't do at the moment. It yes. feels yes. like it's forever. It's not yes. forever. <laughs> right. But we're going to figure it out together. We're going to get through it. We are. We are. Good deal. Well, Dr. Schultz, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? Or? Uh, I was trying to see. Um, I think the one piece I forgot to mention that's so important, and this has been my soapbox for a while, is checking your symptoms daily. Um, in, in the partnership with UAB, the God Safe Partnership, um, we have access to a JSU help check, uh, and it's um, it's not really an app, but it's a link that automatically comes up and asks about symptoms. And it does phrase the checking of those symptoms in such a manner, if you have chronic symptoms, it'll say something like, if you have a chronic disease, um, have the symptoms worsened or something like that. So that, you know, if you do have a chronic cough, you're not just having to check cough every time. Right. Um, but it tells you based on what you answer, whether or not you're low risk, medium risk, or high risk. It also tells you based on your answers, whether or not you need to visit the student health center. And so that to me, there are four main areas in which we need to comply in order to promote optimum safety. And that is, of course, the mask wearing, mm -hmm. social distancing, hygiene. You know, we've been hearing those three for a while, but the symptom checking is critical. We've done this all summer at the direction of Dr. Ron and others. And um, if you've been to a physician's office lately, a lot of them are asking these questions, checking your symptoms, 
um, asking if you've cared for anyone with COVID-19 or been around anyone and all of that. So those are the things that, that um, we must ask ourselves daily and just train our minds to think about, you know, are we having um, GI upset or stomach upset? Um, are we having a headache that doesn't feel like our normal uh, sinus or allergy related headache? Um, you know, are we having a cough that's not our usual cough that we may have in the morning when we first get up or something? <laughs> uh, you know, so I think that making sure we are on top of that is very, very important um, because those things together should minimize risk tremendously. Um, if we can just stay on top of those four things. And so that would be uh, my last take home message, if you will, um, in terms of communicating to our, com- our campus community and anybody else is just make sure that those are the things you're doing on a daily basis. I love it. Good deal. Uh, I just want to real quick remind our listeners for the podcast um, to go ahead and follow JSU's social media, you know, their website. If you have any questions about things, if you have current students, if you are looking into starting maybe in the spring or just any questions you might have about JSU and kind of their, uh, their activities and what they're offering as we go forward. I know I'm going to put in the show notes for this a uh, link to the comprehensive reopening guide. I'm going to go find that just to make it a little more accessible for everybody. But I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. And I know we had so many conflicts, but I'm really glad that we got to get together. <laughs> I tell my folks the world belongs to the flexible. So, <laughs> obviously, the world is belonging to JSU these days because we have learned so much about flexibility the past few years. Well, good. I'm glad. Well, all right. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. Yes, ma'am. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.